Welcome to Debt to Cinema. I'm Stephen Maltmanex. And I'm Brian Gillis. Like most people, we love going to the theater and catching latest releases. However, we sadly put a big dent in your wallet. Fortunately, living in the digital age makes the viewing possibilities endless from the comforts of home. Many of these films that you can see right from your couch, we're ashamed to say we miss, despite labeling ourselves cinephiles. So join us as one or both of us cross off a title from our list of shame. It can be an all-time essential classic. Or an underrated piece of cinema that's worth giving a shot. Hell. It might just be some trashy film we want the other's opinion on. So sit tight and join us as we pay off our debts, one dollar at a time. By the time I'm through with you, you'll be ready to tell me everything I want to know. Jim Brown and Raquel Welch, two of the hottest stars today, trigger the screen's most explosive action. I'm sorry you got mixed up in this. You ain't half as sorry as me. They destroy an army. Sabotage a train. They capture a town. They fight with every dirty trick in the book. And they're the heroes of this picture. 100, baby. 100, 100 in the can. That's money right there, baby. 100. 100. 100 the drain. You want to know what I want to do yep. with that 100? I want to get me some rifles, man. I mean, Take we're, we're somebody's now, man. We struck it rich. That is what we're yep. here to do tonight. Pump this up in the can and... Cashing out. Damn right. We started with a Western over like 99 ago. Now we're capping it yep, off with another good, one. Yep, yep. There's 100 in the title, which, There's man... Maybe one or two along the way. Dirty Dozen. Hey, Jim Brown was in that, too. Yeah, that, too, man. I This is probably the first time where titles have sunk up with a number, because I don't know. How many it's hard. How many episodes have we done where, like, there's a number in the title? I mean... Well, Noon is a number, kind of. Yeah, I guess, but uh, we didn't wait for 12 on that one. We didn't wait for uh, uh, Nine Lives of, or Plan Nine. You know, we didn't wait for number nine. I Fuck 1138. Uh, THX is already in the can. That, yeah, we're not doing episode... 1100 you know what i don't think that four months three weeks and two days was accurately released from the beginning of this but you get the gimmick you you get the joke sometimes you don't pick uh, a movie sometimes it just chooses you based off the episode title and i did not want to waste this number so this was the closest tie-in i could find as well as probably the most interesting movie i could come up with because really who the fuck remembers 100 rifles I mean, I'd never no, heard of it. I don't it. think anyone. Yeah, nope. I mean, you. I'm sure your reaction was like, what the fuck is that? I see what you're going with. Yeah, but before I heard about it, while I heard about it, while I watched it, after I watched it, and and when I said while I watched it, it was uh, a long process. It took about two weeks. I think I tried four or five different times. I fell asleep on it two or three times. I... Um, it was a long process. I'll just call it that. Well, that's a bummer to hear because, I mean, I'll be honest. You know what? You probably – no one has heard of this movie, and I'm not building this up to suddenly trash on it because mm-hmm. – It's not bad. I, for me, it's I will bad. just – I'll say it right there. This was so much fun for me. I it's, mean it's, – It's a mediocre movie, but, yeah, it is a good time. I, There's I, some I don't great th- action. I don't think I'm going to say mediocre. But... It's just – it's an action movie. Like, you know, th- I was thinking this. Yeah, is like we got, we got a remake of Magnificent Seven last year. 
You know, that's mm-hmm. that's not what this, we need. This there's already this is a this, good movie. Yeah, this deserves a remake because there's so much here that is great. There's so much that's working. Just the the buddy dynamic. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's there's a lot here just in the premise and like a lot that can work with here. Like when it's working here, it's pretty electric. But that, that first twenty five minutes. Oh yeah. Like just with Jim Brown and uh, Burt Reynolds alone. I mean. Just I, and the I mean, captain, and then Raquel Welch also. Just the the three men. Yeah, there's a lot for me to praise on this. I mean, I'm just gonna try to go in order here, but right off the bat, starting with just the score. You know, this is Jerry Goldsmith. No, forget the score. Okay, the fucking title sequence with the score. That, that too. That yeah. rifle and the way it it pivots and then cocks and then points down the the like the camera and fires pretty bad i mean also yeah i mean i don't know i I feel like i'm used to spaghetti western backgrounds at this point i've seen so many but hey it works it's a cool one but just jerry goldsmith like very early in his career the guy that did the score for fucking alien poltergeist um 1969 rudy yeah you know like this is this is really starting like i mean just this score you heard a little bit of it there in the intro it is such a good musical theme like I, I don't yeah, give a shit. Theme. I don't care about the Magnificent Seven theme. I would love to see this like brought back into a theater with a remake. It is so good. Just gives the movie so much energy and like just as an action movie, like it's just very big and mm-hmm. triumphant and and fun. And then yeah, you keep going with the premise. Like right when they sh- introduce that small town, man, just that shot where the train is coming in pans over to a guy well, before the shot of the train even happens. The way it ties in just from our editing standpoint of having Raquel Welch's character being like strangled and she does that Wilhelm scream and then you get that match cut of the train actually squealing into the depot which isn't like the best fit you know like right in the scene after that when I'm sure you're about to say it before I cut you off where you have like Burt Reynolds introduced and he's like with the prostitute in the hotel (laughs) and you see her ass you see his ass Uh and then right after that you know it's like what's going on he punches her he entices everyone and then you get this very organic introduction to his character but then also the editing takes place because he's sitting up there he's looking down on the people and you have Raquel Welch on horseback looking up at him it doesn't match perfectly because hey this is an action movie first and foremost probably had to be a small budget like 20 million dollars uh it, big at the time you know like this is not uh god what, what's the name of the filmmaker who's you know the director whose name i looked at so many times and i'm forgetting it already with good reason because he's you know <laughs> never heard of him yeah. yeah sadly uh so i'm not doing it justice uh apologies if uh if that pisses off listeners i know that's not fair but but yeah dude i mean just that shot like just a lot of the blocking in this movie like just the set of that town how many extras that mm-hmm. they have there how that's set up how you get not a sense heaven's of the location but no, no, big. but you you definitely feel it. Like, this movie mm-hmm. has money behind it for sure. Maybe not a shitload. This may not be the grandest thing ever, but it's like, wow, like, this is an action movie with filmmaking that, you know, like, especially in the early 60s, this was... No, late 60s. Uh, yeah, fuck, my bad. I mean, late 60s. 69. Like, you know, we... I, I can't really think of anything that was this... Uh, just this yeah grand and exciting and just you know very triumphant and epic and yeah i mean just the way that it's a fairly lazy movie though for how many like action set pieces it has later on because later on you have some some great 
horseback stuff here. Like, the first, I think, action beat that I really, really felt is when you have that horse jumping over that fucking awesome yellow car. And then shortly thereafter, you have the horses, like, going down that cliff. You have horseback riding, like, with the rifles, like, the, the titular 100 rifles. Uh-huh. Um, just when they get to that Pueblo and, they, like, they overtake, like, the whatever you want to call it, the like, the captain's... Uh, home base or whatever the they all house. get fucking yeah. crazy drunk and they got the chicken fights and they're there there's that sex scene there's... that really weird sex scene like getting a little bit ahead now I mean, like, there's there's a lot of most of the great stuff i think is in the beginning though probably like within the first 45 minutes where the movie is moving mm-hmm. you know like you get you got the introduction of burt reynolds who uh and, but i mean not only that uh, like mind you this isn't just introduction introduction of Britt Reynolds in the film. It's also my introduction to the actor in general. Really, I haven't seen The Longest Yard. I haven't seen Smoking the Bandit. Haven't seen You've, The Greatest Little Have Horror you seen in Boogie Texas. Nights? I, well, I mean, yes, I've seen Boogie Nights. I've seen like My Name Is Earl season two. Okay. Like I'm familiar with the actor in certain circles. Like as and a also there's the role. remake of The Longest Yard. Well, yeah, he's there. in that as well. Yeah. But in terms of actually being a star. This is my introduction to him, which is like n- not the the film to go with. To well, be here's the thing. Honest, also, he it, wasn't... it doesn't even like seem like Burt Reynolds. Like he seems like a side guy. He wasn't a star mm-hmm. yet. He was he was rising at this point. Like this is his fifth film. Um, Raquel Welch and Jim Brown, those were the main stars, and Burt Reynolds was just there. Oh yeah, you know, like there's He's this the cool side story. guy, the 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 Indian dude slash yeah. like Atlantan who looks Mexican but he's not. It's kind of an it, awesome backstory, which you know, like it, it's two seconds of screenwriting, and you sort of accept it right away because I think Burt mm-hmm. Reynolds is just kind of cool. It's just like, oh, I'm he's just I'm tan. half Yaki and half Alabama. Uh, sure, maybe the mustache works, you know, and that's just yeah. You, I, Burt Reynolds can pull that off. I'm cool with that, but. Ah, uh, God, where do I want to start? Jim Brown, also, by the way, who, um, you know, the Football sheriff player, that rides into a town. MVP. Yeah. Super Bowl winner. And movie star. Dirty Dozen fan. Doesn't yeah, happen fucking anymore. awesome in this movie, you know. Uh, still, still a big movies. deal at the time that he was, you know, this isn't Blazing Saddles. He basically, what he was, he's not a sheriff in this movie, but first African-American law he's enforcement the, he's man. He's a black sheriff, yeah. In a, in a Western to come up. And yeah, they address that. And it's just like... Uh, his first scene with him and uh, and Burt Reynolds when they're on the train, which man, they're they're back and forth. Their chemistry here, so good. Like, I, I so know good. you picked this before this weekend, but the very little I know about this, this film reminded me of the Hitman's Bodyguard. This is the black and white duo of badasses doing badass things. That's like the typical version of a modern western this is like a western of the time and if you had to pinpoint this even though it's a western like more than that it's like mexploitation if that's an mm-hmm. actual genre because that's 100 what it is like you know you have mexicans playing mexicans speaking spanish i watched it without subtitles so i actually fit into it and the spanish is so minimal but if, if you don't even know a lick of it you're still going to know what they're saying there's like grab the horse do this it's set in mexico but it's shot in spain it's uh you know i think it's yeah, trying it's, to be it's, a spaghetti it's, western it's basically but it doesn't... a t- yeah, it's yeah. basically a spaghetti western. It's um, like uh, Dancer in the Dark, the Spanish... technically not being a Dogma ninety five film because it's not following one pivotal rule, and that's you know that's this. The movie. Spanish it's... is a little bit off, but you know I'm forgiving after, like I said, I tried watching this a good couple of times, and I, I just went with it after a while. It's funny, I understood it well enough actually. Like you know the thing at mm-hmm. the beginning, like from what little I remember from taking Spanish, you you understand what the soldier is saying when uh, 
oh, it's, uh, Raquel Welch's dad is being killed. It's but... not real Spanish either. Like I said, it's it's Spaniard Spanish, and it's yeah. kind of broken. And like at, at first, I think what turned me off initially was just that their Spanish was so bad. And then I realized, oh, their Spanish is not bad. It's just not Mexican Spanish. Well, that makes this sense because is... they shot it in Spain. You know, they probably yeah. got actors and the from actors the region are there. Spanish. And it it sells the realism a little short, and like when you couple that with the slow mo effects that are done a couple of times. Oh, there's some like, really lame uh, deaths. Oh, here, super lame. Sure. Like, like when the Indian dudes when they get shot, that collateral oh, yeah. shot where they all got killed with one pistol bullet, which is just totally fucking bullshit. That's impossible. No, it it's, just isn't it's pretty possible. fucking. It's hilariously bad. Like it's a weird balance of this movie, like having genuine badass. Or badassery, um, badassery. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then just, uh, and, just and, and then it's just kind of like, oh, like <laughs> ass bad. You know what? Like th- this isn't good, but I, I'm still, I'm still digging it's it. You know, I'm still laughing. It's enjoyable for sure. Um, fucking uh, Fernando Lamas, by the way. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know about he's, you. He's fucking, got a good villain presence. He's really good. Totally. Yeah, I mean, like that's the thing. Very one dimensional villain. He has nothing. You know, they sells his character is just. A guy that was basically ordered to just take care of the Yaki Indians. And the explanation is he just decided to take it the easy way. He's just killing everybody. Honest, very All... Heaven's Gate-esque. Even though Heaven's Gate is like another seven years later. Almost ten years. Same premise. Yeah, like there, there is team, more of a commentary there, Except this is Mexico. Though. Yeah, though this is just like a general that's literally just like, fuck it. He's just going after everybody, you know? like, uh, But he just has like this really just like smarmy, just fucking... Just evil presence about him that you it's just don't want to you just don't want to fuck with this guy he just doesn't care like you know he it's will the mustache he'll just it's go the, after the what he wants that he gets. and there's yeah there's like just no negotiating the with cigars. him and he just yeah he just there's it's no reasoning the with the guy he just has a fucking great presence man he's really fucking awesome here he kind of remind me a little bit of scarface like the bad people that show up in that <laughs> i'm the guy behind the guy like that kind of thing like you don't know who he is necessarily but you just see him you're like fuck don't cross paths with that guy you know something bad's gonna happen well he's and also he's given selfish. just some really great uh lines of dialogue like you know for some of the uh, directing can be shoddy but i mean you know this guy i'm gonna pull up his name because i'll be a fucking asshole if i don't but i mean just some of the lines mm-hmm. that he rewrites in the script are are just really good you know the quips from burt reynolds and jim brown or hey just i mean when fernando lamas just goes like you know there's a moment when the railroad guy is panicking that uh you know, he's like, yeah. "What if you don't, Washington will come after. He's like, oh, what are they going to do? Say, hey, give us that. back our black policemen, you know? Uh, just the way they delivers it and sells it. Uh, Talking it just... about black policemen, that sex scene right in the middle of the movie is the most awkward fucking thing in this film. Like, I get Jim Brown is like a big box office get at this mm-hmm. time. He's just breaking into films. Like I said, he's an MVP, he's a Super Bowl winner, like he's become a movie star. He's still a movie star. He was in draft day just like two years ago. You know, yeah. like he's still in movies. Um he's in a several Spike Lee flicks. But when Raquel Welch is like, No, not with you when they've had this chemistry the whole film, and then he like changes her mind like a minute later and it turns into like a very super passionate love scene. Um, I where think you don't the, see anything. I think the idea is also they've been drinking too, so you know his oh, judgment is absolutely not the best. But just that relationship in general is, you know, not earned because um, they have that moment where they go to the uh, to the Yaki village, and mm-hmm. I, I I never felt yeah I never felt there was chemistry. So she straight up says, "Hey, I could use you. You know, I trust you more than him because I don't trust him, but I need him." So. 
can you help us out? And I, I, really, it's it's just on a superficial level, she just looks fucking good. Like that, that's yeah. that's really all that I. It's not so much they a narrative thing. It's just that this movie is literally using her for sex appeal. You it's know, a, it's it's exploitation. You got these Mexican people, these indigenous peoples. It's using their language, using their culture, using their their liquor and their food and their their you know their culture and just taking advantage of that like more so than just a western though like comparing this something like a spaghetti western or a western in general it's not that this isn't about the yankees and their experience and it's not shane you know this is not the frontier this is not white man cometh this is look at us we're brown and then even more than that it's not just about brown people it's brown people saving their indigenous culture like their actual ancestors who were probably just Spaniards that had their body hair shaved off so they could look like they were the, <laughs> the Yankees or whatever, which is a weird name, Yankee. mind you, considering they call some people Yankees or Black Ringos or, like, whatever they use in the film. It's not and then it's consistent, like Yankee really. Yankee yeah. and Yankee, like, it's so similar that it just sounds weird and wrong, and it just, there, there is no such thing. They, they well, Yankee is a real like uh, a real thing. I I don't know if they're pronouncing it right, um, but I mean they're they're Indians that are still you know they're peppered throughout uh, just America. Uh-huh. Like there's some that live in Southern California, uh, some in Texas, some in um, in Nevada. Uh, so yeah, around that Southwest region, they're still around. Okay. Yeah. Um. It's it's not made up, but I don't it's, think it's that this weird. I don't this think movie. this movie really does its research that well. I mean, you know, when you hear stuff like the Black Ringo, it's. Mm-hmm. I, I think it just it's someone who maybe watched a few too many westerns and thought it sounded cool without exactly getting the re- uh, the meaning of it, which, uh, or maybe just didn't care. By the way, the director and writer's name Tom Grease. By the way, Grease. Uh, yeah. Just putting that to bed right now. But I, I think as far as like just the production of this movie, like when you look at trivia. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. Like, just, uh, I think as far as Burt Reynolds, like, still early in his career, I think Navajo Joe just came out, which was a lead role for him, but I haven't seen it. Uh, mm-hmm. I know I know Tarantino loves that movie as a poster at the New Bev, but, uh, yeah, there's just this awesome uh, little tidbit I found on IMDb where evidently for Jim Brown, they had John Wayne's stuntman, and they were just going to put blackface on him. And Burt Reynolds just immediately went no that's not that's not okay you cannot do that anymore you have to have yeah you got to have one and the studio was like well no uh sorry we we can't afford it that was their excuse so he paid a black stuntman out of pocket uh out of his own pocket like burt reynolds uh, i think he was famous on stage and on tv at this point but he was not the big star he was so still you know uh, i'm sure he was making a decent chunk of money to be the third lead in this but still to pull like money for, out of his own pocket just to do that like goddamn man bad respect for the dude like you know he definitely mm-hmm. it, he knew where the times were going at that point and he made the right call and yeah he became a fucking superstar afterwards which, which is funny like i said i haven't seen any of his superstardom roles i haven't seen either the smoking and bandit films i haven't seen anything that made him the man that he is um and it's just it's like one of those time capsules in american cinema that i'm very out of touch with like the 70s is one of the main like out of all eras of filmmaking even if episode 101 of this show is on the jerk which is at the very end of the 1970s um but but even still like this film i've seen even though i don't have a good 
threshold or not threshold, but a, a firm grasp on the western. On the western, I've seen the films that lampoon them. I've seen Blazing Saddles, yeah. which you know is referencing this film inadvertently, or Three Amigos, also featuring Steve Martin, which does the same thing. You know, that's a group of indigenous people, especially Mexicans, going after these. Uh, three amigos, these saviors, you know, these superheroes uh, to try to save their town. But actually, it's just a group of actors who do that on screen, and they got tricked by the cinema. Um, and, you know, like, those coupled kind of really say everything there is about this era of filmmaking, like, when the Western was king, or was king again, because, you know, it was so big in the 40s, 50s, right, when the t- when TV was becoming a thing, yeah. and then became big again because of Sergio Leone, because of these films in the late 60s, early 70s. And Sergio Leone's spaghetti westerns, like, th- those are different. Like, I feel like this is almost mm-hmm. kind of like a reaction to stuff like, uh, you know, like Shane or like John Ford's stuff, because this is... It, I mean, I, I'd, I, I'm happy calling it an action movie, but it really is a, a just a anti-Western in a lot of ways that in almost every aspect goes against what was typical of a Western. You know, you you mm-hmm. don't have a sheriff here, even though Jim Brown is referred well, to one. sheriff. And you have, you have an African-American law enforcer in this. Uh, you know, you have the uh, not the first interracial love scene on screen, but still oh, one that was you know really still pushing the boundaries then especially of i don't know how far stuff went on screen before probably not this far like it I you mean, know shadows especially like a good 10 years earlier yeah and and that was after sex too so or post-coital as you referred to it uh which is probably a better way of saying it but it's accurate uh yeah also i i think maybe at the time raquel welch who you know someone who's uh, i'm not that familiar with i know that she is a huge icon that I'm sure she's a model she's yeah, just a per, yeah and a, a she was able to who made it well I, I think she's like half uh american like she, that is not her real accent in this movie mm-hmm. um like she now she does not sound like that so it's it's kind of funny but damn is she hot man i mean that shower scene it's you know i was hoping she would show it you know they you were the they wanted in the beginning they wanted her to have the shirt off um should have you know what honestly i think I think her having that oversized wet shirt and taking that shotgun and just shooting at those soldiers, like, I, 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 got, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I, it might be hotter with the shirt on. That might be the right, right call because, you know, it still leaves something to be desired and it just looks more iconic. Like, if the shirt was off, then I don't know. Maybe I would have I been like, yeah, but it just wouldn't have looked as cool or iconic. So for the sake of the movie, it helped. But, yeah, um, I mean, that's the thing, you know, she put up battles like that and she's very well respected and she's looked up to by a lot of women, like just over the years and really helped. Um, how, how, do, how do I want to phrase it? Like, you know, I guess for the sake of feminism and just for the progression of society and culture, like, yeah, she was definitely an influential icon that encouraged women to uh, be more assertive in in getting their way. It's It's just it's kind of funny that this movie has that, but also... You, you know she's not raped but she's basically just almost it, it, it's just it's funny like yeah she's basically forced into it uh tells jim brown she no i it. don't want to do it with you and then later on after that sex scene where jim brown was just kind of feeling it in the moment and he's feeling awkward mm-hmm. as shit when she's just like i am your man now until you don't want me yeah uh, it, it's just cooks him a steak after yeah. mentioning it like an hour earlier she's like oh yeah i made it for you I made it's like coffee. suddenly she's just way into him i guess jim brown must have really been that good that good know? yeah mm-hmm. 
Um, but I mean, yeah, just as far as that relationship too, it totally treats her like shit because the movie literally kills her just so he can get off the hook. Like her death is so like, you don't even see her death. You don't see it. The fact body is just just brought in. It's like, yes, yes, we won. And then someone's carrying it like, Oh, and I'm just like, no one's crying. No, there's no tearjerker moment. They're like, Jim There's Brown nothing. can just, just like, easily oh, wash yeah, off. Yeah, it's just like, oh, that's a bummer. Raquel watches dead. He can, yeah, he can be a drifter. Yeah, it doesn't... Uh, <laughs> and he doesn't even get his Into the Sunset either. No one does. Like, he disappears, sure. He goes yeah. back to America to do his thing. This is not his war. It shouldn't be his war, you know? No. Like, he is not the, one of these people. He had no reason to be there. He just came in to get this guy with the bounty. He owed... You know, Burt Reynolds stole $600, and he found out what the $600 was for, and he's like, okay, I'll, I'll help out for a minute. Why not? I've been to the Calvary. Okay. Whatever. Yeah, well, I mean, he kind of just he's gets... just, like, kind of forced into it. He gets shot in the arm, he has, like, a couple kills, and then, you know, disappears. There's there's no There's a few things here. in there that I think are supposed to, um, you know, just for the sake of structure, are supposed to invest him in it more. Like, there's this... A really awkward bit in the middle is when they go into the village, and that's really, I don't Mm -hmm. think, there for... Structurally, it's really just there so you can care about the Indians, but the movie doesn't doesn't really do anything to develop relationships, but there is this moment where Jim Brown gives the kid a knife, Uh and then they go off, and then literally, like, the village is burning in, like, the next couple shots where it's just like... You know, the manipulation of time and space through editing doesn't necessarily work there, and then you find out the kids are captured, and... Jim, they go have that siege on the house, which is fucking badass when it happens. But then oh, yeah. he sees the kid again. And is like, "Hey, what's up, man? Like, glad you're alive." And it's like, well, you know, there's no connection there. But I think for the sake of structure, it it feels like that's there by design. That at least you know there should have been something there for him to care about. But we don't see the, it. The structure of this film is just haphazard. Like the editing, it, like it really just lose itself. Not that great. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really just that portion where right after they escape from the general's house the first time, which, I mean, that sequence is awesome, how they're just changed oh, yeah. up. The, the siege, the way they get them, the party, the way, like, uh, the, the, the railroad dude, like, everything considered, it's just, it's like, it's a good part that stands, it stands out so big in the film. I know. And, and then you follow that up with, like, five minutes of, like, a horses riding. It, I mean, it's like when Kevin Smith goes... The Hobbit movies are about fucking walking. It's like this Seriously, movie kind of just turns into, and then they're riding on their horses, and, and they're now going they're on the train, and there's and now literally going here, there's literally and now a half-ass shot. There's this half-ass moment where it's this wide shot of them crossing the river on horses, and Burt Reynolds mm-hmm. through ADR just goes, "All right, we're going this way to the town," like because I guess you know they didn't have a close-up or anything. Like it's definitely yep. an ADR because it was a wide shot, and then it cuts to another wide shot where the general's following them. It goes on for five fucking minutes and really really hurts the momentum of this movie which really bums me out because the rest was so enjoyable and then afterwards just uh, you know it doesn't stop being badass but it kind of loses its way uh narratively like it's really it's the score and the chemistry of the actors that just really it's, keeps me interesting but it's not as exciting as what came before in that setup it's a fair buddy western it's interesting it has an angle that you probably haven't seen in the western before but it's just like 
It's a dime a dozen. It, it truly is. It, it's an interesting piece of cinema. It's several actors at the beginning of their career, and it's interesting for that reason. And you know, like you said, like the score is really good. It oh yeah, has some good vistas. The production design is is fairly good. It, it's a studio film, and the budget isn't small. And there's some great action set pieces. There's some sequences here where you're really like, oh man, that was awesome. But for the most part, like while I was watching it, not just the first or second or third or maybe even the fourth time, I was going, uh, can I just skip this fucking part? Did I already see this part? No, I didn't see this part yet. There's sadly moments like that. I mean... There's a lot of moments like that, yeah. For me, it it is a solid um, silver dollar for me because I really was having a blast with this so much so that like... If this was a screening where you go to a rep house and there's a, a good enough crowd there, they would have a blast mm-hmm. with the high moments of that. That that would be a buy for me. You know, one of those those screenings that you go to where it's like, hey, someone intros it and says, this may not be a masterpiece. Obviously, it's not The Magnificent Seven, but there is still... Big movie. Yeah, and there's Jim Brown, there's Raquel Welch, and there's Jerry Goldsmith's score, and there's still a lot here that is awesome. So, you know, like, for those high moments, it's like... You could get a crowd into that. And really, it's, you know, when you look at remakes, it's like, I don't need The Magnificent Seven. There's already a good version of it out there that was made the first time. And then there's a bunch of sequels that were made after that I have not seen, but uh, I hear some of them are good. And, uh, you know, I would rather see Anton Fuqua remake this because you can build on top of that and just make those lulls way better in another movie. Um, I said they have this dynamic in other films I'm not sure how much they borrow from it or influence by it but like you know something like Hitman's Bodyguard or Two Guns I mean well I feel like you know there's still there's still a lot to take from this like there's when this the stuff that's working here it's like I feel like you know it might be one of those underground titles where when a director's open about the influence that it has on their work Mm -hmm. then they would take from that like you know for me that that's why it's a silver dollar is like this is a movie that i really really enjoy that is not perfect but i am gonna remember the moments that work and i god damn it like you know if i i i was i had the fucking um on my spotify playlist i literally have the theme for this like just on there like there's some bits of action that i literally thought like oh man that it inspired a new idea where i was like i could take this from that you know like it's it's that hidden gem that like has enough in there that is great that is definitely worth seeking out and giving a chance it's just it's imperfect you know but comparing this to i know it's not comparable because it's one of the best films ever made but but casting a sundance kid which just came out (laughs) you know like three four years after this and the difference isn't the set pieces, it's not the action, it's not the actors, it's none of that. It's the heart of that script. It truly is. It's that not just the, the energy, but the soul of that story where you connect to these bandits and you really feel for them and their exploits. And when they jump off the cliff at the end, you're like, what's happening next? And not just because you're curious, but you really, really are along the ride with them and you care for them. And Whereas with these characters, you're just like... Well, they're having a good time. Like, if you took the party here, this is, like, you could fit that into, like, Project X or Superbad (laughs) or, like, you name it, party movie. And it's, like, that's the scene, you know? And then at the same time, like, you know, the... The shower sequence, like, that's kind of Wild Wild West, the movie. Or, like, if, if you do, like, the opening with the the lasso, like, I saw moments here where I was thinking about, like, Red Dead Redemption. I'm like, okay, well, the influence is here. Like, this is a film that people have seen. Like, it has informed the genre. Like, it's a trashy 
action movie. You know, like if mm-hmm. Joe Carnahan made a western, I would imagine it being a bit more like this, where it's just you know team. you have these ridiculous action sequences and you have really good chemistry with your actors and. Then they're having some really fan, fun banter throughout and saying some really cheesy stuff. You know, some like the A-Team. Like, that's exactly what yep. that is. Um, I, you know what? Joe Carnahan, man. I, I have a tweet that you sent me framed um, right in front of me I'm right sure now that meant the world this. to me. Why don't you consider remaking this one, man? That might be up your alley. Just just or maybe. maybe. If it isn't, I, I might be wrong. But take, hey. Take his mind off of some political stuff. Just make anything. Please. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We hope it's been a pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode, you can listen to more by checking out the Dollar Review Show, where we cover theatrical and streaming releases, as well as give our two cents on anything we sought out on our own, whether that be TV, music, etc. You can find all of our content at dollarreviews.net. Follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook at Dollar Reviews. And we're also on Google Play Music, iTunes, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, just about anywhere on the internet with hours of content available to you for free. But for those of you that feel that the show is worth your dollar, you can send us a donation at patreon.com slash dollarreviews. Contributions not only earn our undying love, but they also make it possible for us to improve our recording equipment and to give you the highest quality episodes possible. But more importantly, they'd be helping us acquire the content to review. You know, trips to the multiplex are expensive, and the more donations we receive, the more films we can review for your listening pleasure. If you listen somewhere we're currently not available, you'd like to contribute some talking points, send a debt to cinema request, or if you just want to laugh at us, you can do so by reaching out to us on social media or send an email to brian at dollarreviews.net. Or you can email me as well, steve at dollarreviews.net. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Brian Gillis, that's B-R-Y-O-N-G-I-L-L-I-S, and now you know how to spell the email too, and also under the same name on the Love You site, Letterboxd, which acts as my film diary, where I rate films that I'm watching, write the occasional review, and even sometimes compile lists. You can also find me on Twitter at S underscore MTX, and also follow my film diary at Letterbox under the same name where I log everything I watch and sometimes write brief reviews. That's it for this week. Until next time, keep the change.